Welcome to God, Yay or Nay. I'm your host, Noor Kidwai. I'm here to find out how we grow, transform, and become our best selves. How we create meaning in our lives. Come join me on my journey. Welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. This is your host, Noor Kidwai. Thanks for tuning in. My guest this week is Jillian Kowalchuk. Jillian is CEO of Safe in the City. Safe in the City is an app, and she'll explain it in the podcast of uh, what it is and how she created it. She's also a life coach, so uh, yeah, she also does a bunch of talking about how to find direction in life and setting goals and those kind of stuff. It's a great podcast. Please enjoy. Please check me out on social media, at NoorKidY. On Instagram and Twitter, Noor Kid Y Comedian on Facebook. Uh, I always appreciate the support. And uh, yeah, to everyone supporting the podcast, I really do appreciate it. And uh, please recommend it to like-minded people and uh, give it a little subscribe. Let's get to this week's episode, everybody. My guest, Jillian Kowalchuk. Welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. Today I'm here with Jillian Kowalchuk. Uh, Jillian's uh, here from uh, London. Uh, Jillian, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm actually calling in from Glasgow at the moment, but usually based in London. Oh, Glasgow. What are you doing there? Um, just closer to my partner's family. Oh. Scotland seems to be doing a pretty good job at handling <laughs> COVID, so yeah, all right, that's also pretty another nice. factor. Yeah, yeah, go to yeah, go up north to Scotland. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> uh, so thanks for joining me, Jill. Um, yeah, let's uh, like uh, let's talk a little bit about your app because like this is such a cool thing that you uh, did. It's called uh, Safe in the City. Um, do you want to maybe uh, give a little background on what the app is and maybe how you kind of like it came to be? Yeah, definitely. Um, as uh, we've known each other for many years, so you've seen probably a few paths that I've taken and a lot of navigating different countries and jobs and, and things like that, but ended up lending in um, London to do my master's degree in public health. And um, as a newcomer, when I kind of permanently resettled over here, I was using navigation apps to move around the city um, and found that you know I was more or less being moved like a car into different places like car parks or alleyways. So I started to recognize that the technology wasn't necessarily kind of, it didn't feel like it was keeping me in mind. It was just kind of treating me like everyone is has one set path. And I think specifically as a, as a woman um, in a new city, a new country, um, you know, that factor into my personal safety. Um, and after one particular incident, I felt like that was definitely the light bulb moment um, as I was kind of observing these oddities around the technology I was using. Um, I was following a route uh, which took me the fastest way, which happened to cut through an alleyway to meet a friend and it was empty, but I felt like, oh, I don't really want to go down this dark, dingy alleyway, but, you know, I, I'm late. I don't want to be like, you know, there's no one there. I should just take it kind of self-talking myself out of the situation. And then ended up taking the route. Um, and unfortunately, these kitchen staff came out on a smoke break and 
felt like it was something that they probably did on a regular basis just because of how fast it escalated. But essentially, they blocked my roots. They were talking about how they could sexually assault me, and there's really nothing I could do about it. And you know, I was ready to kind of like, okay, I think they're bluffing, but I'm, I will fight them. Like if that's what's going to happen here. Um, and luckily nothing transpired. They, I let me pass. Uh, but you know, the experience was quite upsetting to say the least. And, you know, there was a couple of things that I even recognized in my own self that had happened in the past. Um, so I didn't know where I could report something like this because I'm like okay well what are the police going to do be like did they touch you did they you know sexually assault you and I'd be like no but they threatened and they'd be like okay that's mm, like you're wasting our time like that's kind of what it felt like mm-hmm. uh, you know going into the business and doing that when I was already late to meet a friend like also felt like oh my god like why do I have to take up such a weight of responsibility over something that shouldn't have happened in the first place so then kind of you know, backtracking from that, I, I started to look at, you know, the app itself being something that we could build on. um, So that, um, you know, when people are walking, they do have safety information um, that's able to give it be given to them on the go in different places. You could get help in an emergency, of course, like through any application, um, as well as you could report things like this that happen on a very regular occurrence that you know, aren't captured in any kind of official data set for the most part. Um, and then how can we build the technology to actually help facilitate keeping people safe, but also contributing those experiences to the design of smarter, safer, more inclusive spaces. That is, uh, yeah, that's such an amazing story. Um, yeah, sorry that happened to you too. That sounds uh, like uh, pretty traumatic stuff. But um, yeah, like this is such a like, just an amazing way how you like brought this on and like so like this app now it's uh it's up and running in london is that the only city at the moment uh so it's london and berlin um so and we're also looking at how we can scale that and we have a a crowdfunding campaign that will be live on the 28th so um stay tuned because there's um some interesting information that we'll be sharing about um how we're trying to roll out to more cities but yeah, currently in a, a couple of places, um, and that's intentional, not that the technology can't be scaled to any location, but what has been successful with Safe in the City and maybe is drawing a little bit from more of my experience in a public kind of public health or a, a public organization kind of um, background is that, you know, really what's important is not just the tech to keep people safe, but then what do we do with that information? Like, how can we actually apply it and measure, you know, an impact in that area. So that's really kind of front and center and quite unique about what Safe in the City is doing. Yeah, and that is very unique. Uh, one thing I've noticed, like, especially about uh, data and like, um, you won uh, like an award for like top 20 woman in data in the UK. So this is like such a initiative that you're taking that I really love. Like, um, cause I don't know, sometimes I see with a lot of data companies right now, like they, they kind of use their data just mostly for selling stuff or just mostly for their own advantage and um which it's understandable living in our kind of society but like what you're doing here is like hey like we can use data for so many other things and like you're actually doing it for public safety and uh it seems like this is like a system that learns because the more people that get onto this uh app uh 
safe in the city like the more people like the more the actual data and stuff just keeps accumulating and learning and then you get better routes and it just gets better and better right Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you hit the nail on the head in saying that, you know, we see and I think there's a lot of like next generation kind of businesses that really intertwine kind of impact like social value plus, you know, profit. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, you know, whether it's, you know, the environment or, you know, you know, damaging behavior like hate crimes or, you know, microaggressions like they all do actually have a cost, you know, in a kind of economic sense. So what we're trying to do is actually show the impacts of what is happening and also how we can, you know, incorporate that into our technologies so that um, it doesn't become kind of, um, you know, a one, one approach here, one approach here that's all kind of disconnected that we can't really make sense out of it. So one of the things that um, Safe in the City is building is actually the APIs and the integration so we can actually fit our technology into other apps. So if it's a dating app, if it's another, like, if it's a running, you know, marathon training app or, um, you know, an Uber, it becomes something that, you know, you always have access to report discriminating hate and, you know, types of harassment as well as, you know, your right to safety in those spaces. If there is a terrorist threat or if there is like an emergency, you should be alerted. You know, it shouldn't be on everyone to check Twitter to see what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, that's amazing. Uh, and like, I remember like uh, when I visited you back in uh, London, uh, maybe, I don't know if it was like five years ago, maybe six. I can't even remember. But uh, yeah, yeah, this was like right when you start. were kind of starting this uh, whole journey. And like, it's just amazing to see like how far you've come along. And yeah, hey, I used um, I used like the apps there for the tube. That's like their kind of their transit and um in London and like I can completely understand because I was doing shows all around the city it's such a huge city so many different places so many different streets to take so many trains to like jump off and on on so like I I remember like a lot of times like you just jump off in a completely different neighborhood to go find a show and it just takes you through these like you know it takes you to sometimes there's some yeah. scary places and you're like geez like what am I doing here so like exactly yeah for a city yeah. like London like this app just is amazing and like I'm living in Toronto right now I can uh, see this like working so well over here as well oh yeah we'd love to get to Canada of course that's you know home country and... <laughs> uh yeah, yeah and actually uh that's a good point like uh you say like Canada's your home country too but you're also uh your home country's uh Yemen as well like uh, that's you kind of grew up in Yemen am I right yeah and actually I received a really nice message from uh a Yemeni man who said you know if you've lived in Yemen then you are like Yemen is your country and I was really like touched by kind of the sentiments around that <laughs> um, but yeah you're right I, I did move in the early 90s to uh, Yemen with my family for oil and gas at the time my father's work um, and yeah it was really interesting experience it's definitely shaped who I am today and being kind of an expat child and you know a very you know almost polar opposite you know in terms of temperature in terms of poverty in terms of human rights or women's rights even for that matter you know there was so much I learned at such a young age about you know culture and 
you know, people. And I think, you know, seeing it from probably a, a child lens too, you, you see a lot more similarities. Like you don't see like, oh, the, that person's, you know, different. You see their different color, but you're, or they wear different clothes or, you know, they, they practice a certain religion, but you're not necessarily thinking that's odd or, you know, you're just kind of accepting and soaking everything in. Yeah, so I think that was really helpful to me um, and did definitely set my track on kind of a number of other countries that I'd lived in um, and, and traveled throughout. Um, so yeah, even I guess from that stance from with Safe in the City, like, you know, it's something that I have an ambition to get into developing countries that, you know, this could also be a very disruptive, um, you know, way for people at all levels to be able to, um, you know, report and share these things. Of course, not everyone has a smartphone. We do have a web you know, site for that. But, you know, I think there's a lot more power to the people coming up. And um, I think technology is the way to do to enable that. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So coming from Yemen and then like, you also came from, uh, like, so a medical, like you went into tropical medicine when you, uh, first, uh, went, moved to the UK. So like, that's such an interesting transition, <laughs> like going from that into like the tech uh, world. Uh, can you like maybe give us a little like idea of like how you make these transitions in your life that are just seems so huge. Like, and like, this is one thing I love, like this podcast we love talking about is like, when somebody makes that change in their life, when, you know, when they feel they just need to, like, uh, can you give us a little like insight into like how you made that change? Yeah. Um, it definitely changes, you know, depending on what age bracket we got to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a lot less criteria, you know, in the, in the early twenties, um, to probably now, but, um, I definitely had, um, you know, a lot of, I guess, disruption in my personal life, including my family and, and losing my my mom and, and father. So that kind of in a, a way gave me kind of a sense of I can do whatever I want. Like if I can, you know, survive this, I can probably survive anything. Yeah. And that originally took me to New Zealand and then Australia. And I, I did tr- try a number of different jobs along the way via Japan, back to Australia, to Uganda, to the UK, uh, back to Canada. So yeah, I think it's been a really good experience. And a lot of the times I feel that there's just this, this kind of understanding that maybe like something's kind of time, time is running up in, in terms of like a place, like I felt it in New Zealand, like I was happy, I was content, I was comfortable. And I think I definitely had this urge that I'm like, I don't necessarily want to be comfortable. I want to kind of keep pushing and growing myself. And there's so much more for me to then to do, you know, why would I move to the other side of the world to kind of just settle down into like a small city? You know, I, I, I definitely wanted to kind of soak in as much of life as I could and kind of going back to probably that understanding that life is fragile and you never know how much time you have and and that type of thing. Uh, but moving to the UK, um, I, I was actually a little bit settled in Vancouver when I, when I did make that decision, uh, but was very keen on, you know, unfortunately leaving Canada because I, you know, thought there was a lot more global opportunities in, in the UK. Um, unfortunately landed like, 
a few days after Brexit referendum, which I just didn't think was going to happen. <laughs> 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 I also seem to have these like natural disasters. That's another episode probably. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I knew that I always wanted to help people um, that started my psych degree when, when we met um, and then, you know, kind of moved from kind of helping individuals to like, how can I help a lot of people at once? And I probably through that travel and experience created that desire to do more. Um, and yeah, I settled on, it was actually a one of my best friends who had completed her public health uh, master's from the London School of Hygiene Tropical Medicine. She's like, you are a public health professional. Like this is just kind of the culture and the way that people see and interconnect things um, and at the heart of it really care about people, their well-being, their health, their longevity. Um, so yeah, I, I came over and I, I got in, like it's one of the top schools in the world that actually is the originator of public health, the study of public health. So um, I was, yeah, very drawn into it. Um, and yeah, that's kind of what landed me in London. Yeah, that's uh, it's so interesting. And then, like, uh, when you like when this uh, event happened to you in London, that uh, made you like think of this whole uh, safe in the city thing. Like, how did that idea start, like, kind of growing? And like, was it, like making that jump then from like public health into tech? Like, isn't that two completely different worlds? Like, how did this like uh, end up like uh, unraveling? Yeah, I think they are and they aren't. Um, it becomes something that I think there's, there was a lot of interest. I had a lot of interest even during my master's in how technology could support, um, you know, different healthcare treatments and um, people support. Um, so even in, I moved to Uganda while I was awaiting my, um, my master's thesis results uh, for a few months uh, and worked at an HIV hospital and was, specifically working with young people uh, who were essentially graduating from kind of adolescent into young people or adult care. And they, you know, like everyone here, like they're, they're on their phones and, you know, all of these archaic ways that, you know, getting people to go here and there instead of being like, why can't we just meet them where they're at? Like, why can't they seek advice on their phones or, you know, like what are some of these barriers? And I found that it was a lot more of these probably technophobes just like, I don't understand it. So therefore like, let's not explore it versus this is a practical like solution that could actually help a lot more people and, you know, move to the times. So there was always an interest in how technology could be applied to public health. But as you said, like jumping into tech was also nuts and you know my family my siblings were like what you just want to be professionally broke like traveling the world and doing all these degrees like what are you doing now starting a company um in one of the most expensive places in the world um not knowing anyone or having a background but you know for me it was very much centered on you know it, it wasn't just my experience and it wasn't you know I'd had that lived experience, which I think was a bit of a missing piece for me. And, you know, some of the work I was doing in Uganda or around HIV, it was like, this isn't my personal experience. So as much as I can get behind and support people, I think, you know, it becomes an even deeper rooted passion when it's something that's affected your life um, and you can create change. 
no, okay. that's uh, that's a hundred percent true. And I, I love how you said that. Like, uh, like you found something that like really resonated with you and affected you, and um, that I think that almost like kind of provides a motivation to just keep going when you have this idea brewing, right? Yeah, exactly. And of course, coming from kind of like I was in actually academia, I was working at UCL as a researcher, and you know, so just even diving into kind of the research that, you know, I was certainly not the only one. And this was kind of around the age of me too. So it was just this explosion of people kind of sharing these sexual assault and harassment and, you know, intersectional kind of hate crimes that are coming up. Like, and it was quite overwhelming. I was like, okay, this is a sign. Like I, I need to do something here. Almost everyone I've talked to about this, um, you know, was like this, I can't believe this doesn't exist. And I think it was through that, it just continued to build this momentum for me, as well as these, you know, probably a little bit of naivety, but also, you know, that there was just so many doors open. There were so many people willing to help me um, that I was like, okay, I, I have to do this. So I set a pretty aggressive roadmap to leave my job. I think it was within three months. Um, luckily did get into like a, an accelerator, which came with a grant so it could help me build the product. And then had a whole like, you know, push also to make sure that I could um, get my visa to stay over here, which, you know, kind of had to, you know, was leveraged on the success of this product launching. So um, yeah, there was a lot on the line, uh, which, which kind of helped commit me. But, you know, ever since it's just continued to like open up doors that I didn't know were possible. Yeah, and uh, that's like a yeah. I like that open up doors. You didn't know that was possible. I think that's uh, one thing. Like I've noticed with people when they make these transitions in life, like one thing they they make that tradition a transition because it does affect them something that like is they're passionate about it. That affects them emotionally. Like uh, that they're like okay, like this is something I need to like actually do, and like that gives you that intrinsic like motivation to keep going. And uh, yeah, and then like once those new doors start opening, then it's just like, it's just that snowball effect. And like, then you just like, are, you become like, oh my God, like I can't believe like which direction now my life is going because it'll just, it can take you anywhere. And that's like, I don't know, it's the beauty of life and the beauty of these kind of things, right? Exactly, you can change it, you know, at any moment. And I think the more we kind of grow up and listen to the other people kind of taking us away from that drive and that purpose, then, the more confused and, you know, unsettled we still feel versus kind of just diving right in. Mm -hmm. So like you do uh, like kind of like life coach or business coach for a lot of people as well. Like this is something that you help a lot of people out with, which I can understand given your story. Um, so like uh, when you're like with the kind of people that you have worked with, um, what, what are like some of the common like uh, – common uh like problems you see people like having like that you run into a lot yeah well one of the things that you know in the entrepreneur community it's it is very collaborative in that a lot of people are kind of giving their time and helping each other but i found that you know a 15 minute conversation or you know uh, let's catch up after a networking event just wasn't really an effective way to really deep dive into some of these issues and Again, with my kind of like psychology hat on, I was always very much like, how can I help people believe in themselves? Because it 
felt like there was a lot of people, you know, coming to me at different events and being like, I can't believe you've done this. And, you know, I'm like, but you can do it too. Like there's, there's no barriers here. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not special. Um, you know, it's just maybe that mindset. So I think, um, one of the things that I wanted to do, and I think, you know, as, as a CEO, obviously I'm, I'm managing a team, um, but being a coach to, you know, another, I do a lot with female starter, start female founders <laughs> at startups or minority founders, uh, which I'm, I'm really passionate about and hope one day that I can be an investor in these types of companies. But I found that, you know, there is a lot of more kind of personal things underlying, you know, the business problems, um, you know, whether it's not being comfortable with asking for money um, or, you know, not feeling confident to kind of give that pitch. I feel like a lot of it is still rooted in these, you know, fundamental things that we all share of, um, you know, imposter syndrome and, you know, not wanting to fail and, you know, these types of things. Mm. Um, so well, that's something I've definitely found. Okay. What, what, what is uh, imposter syndrome? I've never heard that term before. Uh, oh, right. Um, so it's more or less, I guess, feeling like you're, you don't belong there. Like, you know, you, you found this, maybe you're in this big pitch and, you know, you have, or you're pitching to VCs and they're going to give you 500,000 and you're just like, I don't deserve this. Like I shouldn't be here. Like, am I really good enough? It's, it's just this kind of negative self-talk that you give yourself that um, makes you feel like, you know, you're a poser, you're, you're not really deserving of kind of the success or what you've established and where you're at. Yeah. Um, okay. I like, yeah, I can relate to that a lot. I think everybody can. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's yeah. something like we all like have trouble with. And, uh, I like how you were kind of talking about like uh, just being open to like asking for stuff or being open to talking with people like in a real way. And like uh, from the comedy world, I know this is something like we face and I think everybody in every kind of world does. Like I think when it comes to like finding success or finding that for forward momentum in life, like you need to be vulnerable, like you need to be able to like um, – you need to be able to shut your mind off in the sense that like, hey, let me ask this person for help or let me um, ask this person for something that I need. And like, you'll be surprised when a lot of times you'll just get that thing that you need right away. And then that's where that forward momentum starts happening and you can like actually start moving forward. Exactly. And when you can open up and, and be vulnerable and I think, you know, because Save in the City has been so, you know, focused in, in a lot of like, introduction to what safe in the city is that vulnerability really helps people see like hey, that's that's like my story or you know i've always wanted to do something like that like it, it connects us better when we actually can just get to the raw truth of you know who we are and what we're trying to achieve and how we can help each other yeah and um like connecting that to that raw truth of like who you are like that's how like you're you resonate with other people um, I, like, I used to do this writing exercise that actually kind of, like, almost, like, down the road, and, like, I kind of see how that kind of turned into this podcast, but, like, the writing exercise that used to do this thing where, like, we take notables, and, like, the whole thing about taking a notable is, like, whenever you have, like, a strong emotional reaction to anything, like, make sure you write that down in your journal and keep that in mind, mm -hmm. and, like, 
when I started doing this for like months and months, I started noticing all these connections of like, oh, this is what naturally makes me like naturally drives emotion in me. And like it, it had to do with like self-development. It had to do with meditation and like psychedelics and getting to know yourself. Like these are the things. And like, that's kind of how it like transpired into this kind of thing. But uh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Like, uh, so like, that's a really cool thing. Like how you say, cause like, I can tell like you're talking about something that affected you and it's like really deep into you. And now people resonate with that. And like, that's how these ideas start to like take off and grow yeah no exactly i really like that exercise though and you know again it's also just like these small micro steps like you didn't know that starting that exercise would get you to this podcast you know but even just taking that step and going through that process and appreciating and and learning from that journey is is what it's all about like there's no end you know ranking at you know the end of our lives like money is gone people are gone you know your legacy lives on and i think the more that you live your truth um and follow that journey as best as as best you can then you know you're on a good track mm -hmm. no that's uh oh, that's cool uh so let's like uh talk a little bit like so when you cut ties to like a certain part of your life and you move on to something different like what are the feelings that come up during that time and like how, how do you like convince yourself I don't know if convince is the right word but like this is the right decision you're making and then like make sure those fears and doubts and all that stuff like how do you deal with those mm, that's a really good question um I think it is kind of connecting to yourself like you know I think you, you mentioned meditation I think that's been so critical to me um and making some big decisions but there always seemed to kind of feel like and it usually would take kind of months for this kind of feeling to be like i don't know if i if i if i should be here anymore and i'd start to probably see signs that would reinforce that kind of thought process and then start to look for kind of i guess opportunities or you know things that were coming up that i wasn't maybe as open to um explore so for example in um in Australia, um, I was, you know, working in hospitality. I was actually trying to build a makeup business, which I was doing freelance. Um, and you know, it was it happened to be in you know fashion, and I was like, oh, like there was just a lot of things that I didn't really like about that particular area. I was very like more special effects and but the doors weren't opening in that and this was getting really toxic for me while I was you know also working my butt off <laughs> and so you know that kind of just started to signal like mm, okay like this I don't feel like this is like a long-term plan and of course the visa was kind of coming up to make a another kind of decision like do I kind of work hard to stay here or do I kind of just jet off um and then, you know, weirdly enough, I think I was talking to my brother about it and he was like, he, I think a few years before me, he, he had taught in Japan. He's like, I could probably get you a job in Japan if that's of interest. And I was like, yeah, why not? And then within, I think two or three days, I'd gotten a job in Japan. I started learning Japanese and I booked my flight. And I think within a few weeks, I was like, I was on a plane there. <laughs> so I don't recommend that to everyone um 
I think, I mean, if you're definitely traveling, that the visa situation helps you kind of navigate those choices because it's quite a big investment. Um, went through it in the UK to, you know, go through kind of a, a longer term settlement. Um, so yeah, I think probably a combination of those, but just knowing that I hadn't found kind of what really drove me. And I've always been kind of that type of person who wasn't just kind of after a certain salary or a certain status of career. I was always like, I want to help people, but you know, I do want to be successful. Like, you know, I, I do want to have a legacy, but you know, I, I didn't know what that looked like. And I, I'm proud that I continue to, you know, be a bit of a Jill of all trades to wait till I found something. And now I'm like, oh, oh my goodness, I was so an entrepreneur, but it wasn't a buzzword or I didn't have any exposure to that. So. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of like almost you're like searching around and you're going to different places, like almost experimenting with different lifestyles and stuff that kind of like ended up like finding you being able to hone in on what you actually like are yeah exactly and you don't know until you try like there's so many you know people who are like oh I wish I tried that and I'm like why don't you just try that and especially when you're young like there's so much um means to kind of move around and 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 try different things so I really encourage more people to do that you'll find the answers as you go through it Oh, hell yeah. No, I love that. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so like you did mention meditation. I love that. Um, so like, I don't know, uh, besides meditation, like uh, how many other like uh, stuff that like do you do to kind of like take care of yourself? Because like I notice you, you have like a very, very busy schedule and you're constantly doing like different events and different kind of things. So like, how do, how do you keep yourself like uh, level and like what kind of like self-care or like is self-care important to you? <laughs> Definitely. Um, whenever self-care has gone out the window, then, you know, a lot more kind of crap comes. <laughs> yeah, and I think that because you're not centered in, in yourself, you're not making good decisions, you're not taking care of your body, you're not thinking straight. It, it all really comes down to that, that practice and that discipline. Um, and I've always had a very, you know, interest in this. Um, I remember going to, I think, I think I started Tai Chi when I was 10 years old. Like <laughs> I've always been this like little hippie, uh, ha, ha, ha. yeah, young person. So um, I think I started an environmental club at seven. I was I was just always like very drawn to this like how can I fix like or how can I you know work towards these bigger kind of issues and goals. But um, obviously that does take on a lot of stress. So you have to like recenter yourself to be like, how do I become a better person to like stack on all this, like, you know, horrible things that I'm trying to, to work through. Um, and um, yeah, medit so for me, like getting up pretty early um, really helps. Like I've, I've extended that now with COVID. It used to be 5.30, now it's six. Um, <laughs> so I have a pretty good, um, like routine um I do meditate you know before and after um I go to sleep uh, or when I wake up and then um yeah usually I do some journaling I try to read for half an hour um I do some exercise um I have lemon juice and water <laughs> to just start the digestive system um and I do go through different kind of 
mantras and and priming to just be really centered in really gratitude of like where I am and you know what I've already accomplished um and you know what I want to achieve in the, the day um I'm, I'm a pretty routine goal setter I feel like I could probably pull this off the wall <laughs> if anyone's seeing this. Yeah. So again, just, I think the more that you can measure these, measure the things that you want to work on, then the better you're actually attuned and focused on that. Um, so yeah, I do try to focus on growing my mind, like trying different things that expand my horizons, doing something to challenge my body and then kind of nurturing my spirit. So hey. Yeah. yeah. So if anyone like, wants that template, let me know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was like, yeah, like, uh, so you just pulled down for the people who are listening, you pulled down like a little goal setting uh, sheet you have. Uh, you want to actually kind of run like, because uh, I did actually, yeah, I was talking to a few people who listened to my podcast and they were saying like, oh yeah, like I heard a few of your guests talking about setting goals and like thinking of the future and it really got me thinking about it. So like, yeah, you want to kind of like give a little idea to like how you set goals and like how you recommend other people to do it and like how, like, what do you do to actually achieve those goals once you set them? Yeah, and I don't feel like I've mastered it. There's there's definitely, you know, periods in my life where I feel like I probably don't set enough goals or ones that I, I probably set too many. And I think there's also a really keen, like really important quote. I think it's from Bill Clinton that, um, you know, we overestimate what we can do in a year, but we underestimate what we can do in 10. So I think for me, you know, focusing on more short term goals with this kind of larger vision um, is helpful. So I do actually do, um, there's a 10 year kind of plan where you're writing out like a your ideal day, um, you know, 10 years down the line. And I think that is also a really good exercise to almost like project yourself in in the future but also project yourself in the past so you can actually see the you know the breadth of what life is possible for you um so i i do kind of more yeah like creative stuff around like the much larger um vision and goals and then these are kind of more you know micro goals where I know that um, for me, I'm, you know, building out my coaching stuff um, at the same time. So I have a number of different things that I want to get accomplished, but I also, you know, want to kind of continue to stack, like, how do I just keep nudging the edge on taking a better care of my body? Like I've cut coffee, I don't drink anymore. Um, so the more that these like micro um, habits, you can kind of start stacking. I think the more that you can actually reach those goals without setting them so out of scope or unachievable. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that helps, but I'm happy to send my weekly, I, I put it together myself. I don't know. So it's like a little a weekly kind reason. of what you want to accomplish this week kind of a thing. Yeah. But again, kind of focus on, um, so I have three goals under grow your mind, expand your horizons. There's three points, challenge your body and then nurture your spirit. And then I have like a little section where, um, I just evaluate my goals from last week. And then I also just started an up next because I'm my, my mind is so like, Oh, I want to do this, but I'm like, okay, I need to focus. Like I need to just like not pile up my list, you know, just like make it incremental. Yeah. 
Uh, that's actually a really good uh, piece of advice too for people who are trying to do goals and stuff. Is like you got to make it incremental and like make those small changes. And like once you make those changes and turn it into a habit, they become so easy. And then there, it's almost just like com completely automatic. And like those are that's kind of how you want to do it. If you if you uh, like make your like vision in the future and you try to do too much right away, you just uh, end up failing because you're setting yourself up for it. And then when you fail, like that just gives doubt and all that uh, shame, all those guilt, all that stuff starts coming up. And then you just get into this like negative feedback loop. So I, I like what you're yeah. doing. Uh, take those incremental steps evaluate what you did in the last week and see like okay and like you like you said you uh, prioritize like the stuff that you want like you prioritize growing your mind prioritize challenging your body you prioritize your spirit like these are kind of um well these are foundations for most people and like uh these are probably stuff that most people should be prioritizing and when you make those kind of uh like uh goals that you can actually set with that it's like uh yeah it's amazing mm -hmm. like when how much you can do and it's amazing how easy these things start getting when you make them into habits right yeah absolutely there's a great book called um atomic habits um that i highly recommend about those again like it does go into goal setting but just making them almost that, as you said, like a positive reinforcement that they're just like so silly that you're like, I, of course, I'm going to, you know, make it once a month to the gym. But then, you know, that process of you being able to be like, great, like I'm building self-confidence in the process of like staying true to my word and seeing that it's working. That really helps, um, you know, I think continue that process of using goals as strategies to kind of get you to where you want to go. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I got to ask you the question <laughs> because this is the name of the podcast. So, Jillian Kowalchuk, God yay or nay? <laughs> Agnostic? <laughs> Agnostic in the middle. All right. Can I go in the middle? <laughs> yeah, of course you can. Uh, so, yeah, I just want to kind of know, like, uh, do you have, like, because I think you do have a little bit of that spiritual side to you. So, like, Kind of, do you think of those kind of greater questions a lot, maybe? Uh, like, why are we here and all that kind of stuff? Or how does that work? Yeah, of course. Like, those are the best kind of conversations with people. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I grew up um, a fairly liberal Christian family. Like, and of course, we went intermittently throughout, like, Yemen. There wasn't a church. Um, and it was... Um, United, uh, the Church of United Church, I can't even remember, mm -hmm. but it was one of the most like liberal in that we had gay ministers and marriages and, and things like that. So that was, you know, what I think I really appreciated as a, I think I was under 13 when I was like, mm. uh, but what I did appreciate was almost this kind of lecture style and storytelling of morality and, and choices. and. I definitely, I liked that aspect. Um, and I do think that it serves different people. But for me, um, yeah, I think it was around maybe 13, 14, where I started to not really, I started to kind of question a lot around religion and um, yeah, like why, why, a lot of why questions that just couldn't ever be answered. Um, and then I think I, I did go through university. Um, my first 
university degree, like more in, in terms of uh, reading a lot of um, Dawkins and, and being very like, no, I'm definitely atheist. Like there's just <laughs> no way there's gotta be like, you know, a logic <laughs> explanation for all of this. Uh, I think that was my first thing when I went into school. That was like pretty much exactly what I did. Got into Dawkins and Hitchens and I was like, yep, big atheist right here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but then I think over the last, I, I don't even know, maybe five years, like it feels relatively recent that I started to be like, what is the, you know, why do I need a definite? Why am I clinging to definite? Like why why can't i be comfortable with just not knowing and accepting that and taking you know principles from different doctrines like you know i really gain a lot from like buddhist practice uh, but i don't think i would call myself a buddhist um you know there are elements to christianity and i did go to like a catholic high school so i was i you know lived in um you know a muslim country like I, I have been exposed to many cultures and and religions and i think all of them you know often center around very similar points which i think are helpful to have but i also you know think that there can be very damaging things that come from it um i mean clearly war and things that are still going on to this day um so yeah i i I think balancing in this kind of agnostic uh, realm leads me to be curious and open more than kind of closed and maybe a bit defensive um, I, I, at either side. Um, and yeah, that's I think probably a philosophy I, I take on. One of the other things um, people can follow me on is called Vegnostic. Um, and it's about being a lot more agnostic to being vegan and vegetarian because again, there's not an ultimate truth to being, you know, making ethical choices about food or the environment or, you know, whatever you, sustainability. So, you know, I think the more that we can be open to these types of really important questions, the more we're actually open to learn and, and share and connect. Yeah. Hey, that's awesome. I love that answer. Uh, you know what? Like, I'm actually, like, my new comedy bit, like, I'm really working on, uh, it's on, like, it's a defensive agnostic. So, uh, like, I, I do definitely kind of consider myself in that vein as well. And uh, I love how you said uh, it keeps you more open and curious and uh, more rather than closed, right? And uh, honestly, closed and rigid. And, like, that's closed and rigid is probably the mindset that pretty much takes you nowhere. It'll like, um, you know, sometimes it can get you a spot and like maybe in some sort of workplace or whatever. And you're thinking, oh, it's me being closed and rigid. It got me this spot. Maybe it did. But like for you to grow and for you to become like what you really should be becoming and have that kind of like uh, fulfilling life, like it's just going to not lead that way. Like um, and isn't that kind of like what meditation is, is to try to make your mindset into a more an open and curious mindset. Because like when you are meditating and like you kind of get rid of all that fear or that doubt and you find kind of see it and it kind of like ends up dissipating a little bit, then you're, it leaves you in this more like open mindset. And that's where creation happens. That's where creativity, mm -hmm. that's where opportunity, all those things can actually flourish like through that mindset. So like I really do uh, love that. And I couldn't imagine just like with your life, like how many times you traveled all over and how many city or countries you lived in and how many times you're looking at your visa ending, like 
<laughs> when uncertainty happens like your whole life has been like uncertainty it seems like right so like uh I yeah but i think everybody probably can relate to oh, that yeah. and, you know if, if you think a challenge like you haven't been challenged yet then it's coming like you know there's there's just not people who don't suffer or people who don't have uncertainty or don't feel lost like we're all so connected by these fundamental human you know nature questions but also experiences that you know i think it's really important to kind of recenter ourselves in in terms of like this isn't the only thing that's happened to me like we've had generations of probably worse types of you know experiences like this but how do we move the needle you know hundred percent uh yeah no i love that that was uh that's great uh all right before we end uh so like you did mention your veg gnostic uh uh, like you have a page on Instagram, which I love. You're always sharing like uh, cool, like plant-based <laughs> foods and stuff. Uh, maybe tell everybody about like a little bit about that. Why and why you got into that? Yeah, so it probably goes back to that kind of principle of stacking. But when um, when I was kind of like when I realized, okay, academia is not for me, and I do want to make a a move, and you know, waiting for that idea to come of like what what it's supposed to be. Um, Vegnostic was something actually even earlier. It was probably in Vancouver right before I left. Um, and that I started to think, you know, there's, I've been vegetarian, vegan for I think almost 22 years. Like, and that's just been a, nobody in my family was. I was 13 when I decided to do it. And everyone was like, what? In Calgary, of course. Like, <laughs> I didn't even know word meant <laughs> uh, yeah so it's like so do you want a well done steak is that what you're telling me <laughs> yeah basically and um so you know i guess always being an outsider but people having curiosity but often a lot of judgment like you know well i couldn't do that and i'm like i you know it was such a curious behavior because i was like i i never you know asked or you know i don't care what you eat <laughs> like you know it was just a really interesting experience through so many different um groups um where i found that again if i kind of led with more like you know i'm vegan or i'm vegetarian but you know got a few pounds to lose or you know oh i have my guilty habits or you know i tra travel around the world so i'm clearly not you know a saint with the environment um you know being able to actually self kind of reflect and, and show people that it's like, it's not a perfection kind of um, status. So, whereas maybe there is a bit of a truth to some people like really preaching it like that. Um, so I wanted to make it something very accessible that people could, you know, eat plant-based foods, try things out and, you know, not be so kind of threatened or feel like they're going to get into debate with someone to just simply try, you know, a dish. So yeah, that was kind of agnostic of cooking for friends, but also, you know, showing them how you could build it in. So, you know, when people are like, Oh, I don't know how to cook vegan. You're like, well, let's take that spaghetti and let's like deconstruct it because at the end of the day, it's really not that complicated. It's just a little bit of, you know, forward thinking for the most part. Um, so we create buildable recipes um, and uh, doing some work with HelloFresh um, over the COVID, which is also, um, you know, quite nice to also make sure that I'm eating well and, um, 
that's, I guess, part of that future goal was always looking at like, I want to eat well, I want to take good care of myself. I love cooking for people. So it naturally, especially when when COVID had kind of turned to online, I'm like, well, I can't really cook for people in my home anymore. So I can cook online and, you know, connect with people that way. So oh, that's, yeah, that was Vegnostic. That's so cool. So what's uh, if like, uh, you're bringing over someone who hasn't had like a vegan meal before, what's their go to meal you like to cook for them? Well, that's part of, I guess, the, the legacy of, of Vegnostic. I can scroll through my Instagram page and be like, what do you want? And usually people are really excited. They're like, oh, can I do, you know, this um, mushroom steak with uh, biscuits or, you know, there's some soca stuff I do with tofu scramble. Um, I, it really depends on what they like. But Damn. yeah, that helps me have a menu <laughs> ready for them. <laughs> yeah, that is awesome. That some mushroom steak. That sounds all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, thank you so much, Julia. This was amazing. Um, so yeah, tell people uh, one more time where uh, where you want them to get a hold of you, uh, any places they want you want them to follow and uh, about your crowdfunding coming up. Yeah, great. Um, so our crowdfunding will be all over our social media. So just uh, follow us. Uh, we're on Safe in the City if you're interested in that um, on all channels. So it's at Safe in the City on Twitter or Instagram, same with Facebook. Um, Vegnostic is just at Vegnostic if you're looking at some food. And then my coaching stuff is on Jillian Kowalczyk. Um, and um, yeah, if you're interested to pledge then uh please do we'll be live um at the end of september so stay tuned to more videos and content and updates on what we're doing with the tech nice all right awesome uh thanks so much for joining me jillian thank you Norm. all right that was this week's episode thanks for tuning in everybody i appreciate it please subscribe to the podcast give it a good rating it really does help and also check me out on social media on Instagram and Twitter, it's at Newer Kidwai. On Facebook, it's Newer Kidwai Comedian. I'm constantly putting updates about the podcast when new ones come out. I put up podcast clips. And uh, yeah, I also put up comedy stuff, comedy dates, comedy clips, and different stuff like that. So uh, you can come check out, have a laugh, and get keep up to date on the podcast. Until next time, this is another episode of God Yay or Nay.